we've got a lot going on. A lot going on. How many more days before Christmas? Anybody know? Only nine more days before Christmas. Um, how many... How many... I just have an exhortation here, so I won't be here long. So you so you got to go lean in for the moment, grab it, and then Pastor will be ministering to us this morning. But... Um, how many of you have been to West Lebanon shopping lately or even tried to go grocery shopping or pick up anything? Oh, the lines are getting scary now. It's pretty intense, isn't it? I mean, yeah, but now even going early. We went early. We had to do a few things yesterday that we thought we'd gotten everything done so we wouldn't have to go, but we did. But we made fun of it. But I just want you to think about the hustle, the bustle. Uh, I know one of my daughters and her family went to New York City. I saw that Kyle went and, and Lynn went to New York City. And wow, that's a hustle and bustle. But it's exciting and all the lights and all the attractions and all the food eating and all the baking and all the getting ready. <clears throat> and all the worries about what to buy this one or what to get that one or will they really like it and all the worries about the budget and everything that's going on and there's only nine more days until Christmas and then people are coming and what are you going to cook and what are you going to make on your list and all your 150 Christmas cards you've got to get mailed out and then all the things, all the wonderful things you wanted to do for someone has just kind of gone to the wayside because... You've been to, starts with a B, busy, 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 right? And so all the good intentions and all the things that you wanted to do have kind of, I don't know where they went, right? And you really did resolve to do that. So we come to the season that is only here because of one focus, and his name is Jesus, we would not even be doing this if it weren't for Jesus. The economy would not be tilting, hoping, you know, all the retail stores hoping for their support and their money. And some of you wait for your Christmas bonuses. Some of you get Christmas bonuses or a little something, you know. You're, you're counting on that. It wouldn't even be happening without Jesus. Now, I just want to direct your attention to some things that the Lord had me ponder this week. When Joseph and Mary were going to Bethlehem for the census, let me tell you, it was just as busy. It was intense. They were all, they told they had to go in there, they had to go to their various places. But they just finished harvest. They were exhausted. They'd just been harvesting the fields. They went on this great journey. It wasn't, it's not in the middle of winter there in that part of the country. And they're journeying and they're going on this journey. And she's nine months pregnant. I can't imagine what that feels like being on the back of a donkey with this human being, this fully developed human being in the ninth month that could come out and survive is inside of you with the bumps and the grinds of going over uneven. They didn't have st nice little smooth pavement roads. 
It was bumpy. It was rocky. There were no fast food stops on the way. It had been an intense journey. And they finally get to the town. And there's backups of traffic. There were. They were looking for somewhere to park their mule. And there was no parking spaces. Just like us. Looking, searching. They're looking for a room because she's now in labor. She's she's having pains and... and you know, it's her first child, so she's not exactly sure, is this really happening or am I just sore from this miserable trip? But there's no local bathrooms. There's no public restrooms. And they're looking for a place to stay, and every place they go is full, and there's no room. But there's people all over the place because, you know, it, the feast season was about to begin, and and so all this stuff was going on, and I'm just wondering if the town was that packed, wasn't somebody, weren't there people in those inns that saw their plight? Weren't there people that saw that she was out to here, a young couple, realizing, I, I can be in public and realize it's somebody's first child. It's written all over them. Wasn't there somebody that would have seen their plight and said, take our room. We'll sleep on the ground like we did during our journey to get here. We'll camp out tonight. Take our room. But nobody, nobody had room because they were busy. They were busy making money off this whole census thing. They were busy preparing for the feast. They were exhausted. They just finished harvest time. Things were going on. This is a time to sell their wares just before the winter comes in. They were busy. They were busy, busy, busy. So I want to read that scripture to you. It is found in Luke 2, 7. And if you've never read the story about the birth and the time of Jesus, you'll find it in the first books of Matthew and the first book of or the first chapter, the first chapters of Matthew and the first chapters of Luke. Okay? Read it. It's really good. And I'm reading Luke 2, 7. And she, being Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. A manger, uh, when we went to Israel and our group went to Israel last year, it's been a year, I can't believe it, but we showed them what a manger is. It's not a wooden thing like we have here because wood was scarce there. It's stone and they just carve it out. It's a big rock that they find and they carve it out and they put the food in there. And so Jesus was sleeping in that. That's where they put him. Because there was no room. There was no room for them. There was no vacancy. There was no place. And so those words kind of hang with us even today. So 
The Lord's question is this, and he asked me this. Do you have room for him? Are you making room for him? Is there a place for him right now in your day? in your life, that you're really focusing on him because he is the real reason? Is there room for him? Is there a place he can abide and be comforted in someone that loves and cares about what's going on with him? Is there room in the middle of all the blinking lights, all the music, all the the parties, all the everything that the world is saying you got to do this, you got to do that. We can do all that and I mean we can do some of it and still keep a focus on him. But usually about this time of the season, he you you don't even know where he's at. I felt that very strongly this morning. We're busy and we got plans. Things we have to do. But as we've heard today, the most important thing is to make room for him. You have nine days. You have nine days. And if you will make room for him now, you won't have that empty feeling on December 26th. You know what I'm saying? That day after and that letdown. You won't have that. You will have embraced him. You will have seen in the next nine days how he's grown in your heart, in your thoughts, in your mind, in the word. The greatest gift that was ever given, ever, was the gift of God bringing forth his son All the words that were spoken for centuries, all the prophetic words, all the written words, all the words about Jesus came into being and the words became flesh, is what the Bible says, and dwelt among us. Let him dwell in you. Let the word, Jesus, become flesh in you. We've got nine days. I know you're going to have testimonies next Sunday about making room for Jesus. In the brokenness, in the parties, in the fun, in the set, in whatever it is, make room for him. Amen. Does your excitation flow with this, Deb? The testimony? Yeah, come on. Does it flow with it? Sure, come on. Um, so this is <clears throat> a little story I wanted to share with you of something that took place yesterday. Um, many of you um, have met um, Ed's and my good friend, Brian, 
he stayed with us a little bit when we lived upstairs. And um, Brian has been suffering from onset dementia. And it's a very quick form of dementia. And there have been multiple times. Um, we've known Brian for over 30 years. And there have been multiple times where I've gone to him to talk to him about Jesus. And Brian has always said, I'm all good with that, Deb. I'm all good with that. Um, but we got a call um, that Brian was days away from passing. So um, I've spent the week knowing that we were going to go and visit him Saturday morning, just praying. And <clears throat> we got there, and I was very, very surprised. Um, at how far he had gone. And when we first got there, um, Brian just kind of stared off. And uh, I sat down on one side of him. I was quietly praying in the spirit. I sat down on the other side of him. And, and um, I looked at Ed and I said, so if you're not going to be comfortable with this conversation that I'm going to have with Brian about Jesus, um, you, you should probably leave. Because I knew this was going to be the only chance. This was my last opportunity. So I sat down beside him and began to tell him how much I loved him, because I do love Brian. I love him very much. And I began to cry. And Ryan went from staring off into space to making eye contact with me. And he took my hands. He's unable to really, he doesn't have a lot of control of any of his body functions, but he took my hands. And he was holding them. And I said, Brian, if you can understand me, will you squeeze my hands? So he squeezed very tightly, and he held them tightly. And I began to talk to him about Jesus. I began to tell him that we both know time is short, and that there is a man named Jesus who gave his life many, many years ago just for him just so that when he takes his last breath, that he will be able to spend eternity with Jesus, not being separated from Father, from us, forever. Now, I'm, I'm crying, I'm weeping, and he's not letting go of my hands, so I can't wipe the tears or my nose. It's pretty nasty, because I know the severity of what's taking place. So I said to him, I said, Brian, I'm going to, I'm going to lead you through the sinner's prayer. And we were very close. He never took his eyes off me. And I said, I know you can't say it after me, but you can say it inside. And his eyes began to fill with tears. And I said the sinner's prayer. 
there were little tears that were streaming down the side of his face. When we were finished, he looked at me and he smiled and he took my hands and he did just this. He didn't do it once, he did it three times. And he had a big smile. And he raised his hands up. He brought him back down. And then again, back down. And I said, so Brian, I'm going to see you in heaven, right? Because you just asked Jesus into your heart. And he got the biggest smile on his face. So it was a beautiful moment. And I now know that Brian can die and he can be with Jesus. So I just wanted to share that with you. Praise the Lord. Promise. Promise and salvation. Amen. If you could turn to Joshua 21. You know, after last week, the word on destination. Interesting how we begin to hear an exhortation, the destination of Jesus, every word that was written concerning him, every promise. And that's what the Lord has been speaking to me as I started last week, uh, and that revealing, hopefully, this time of recognizing that we've not reached our final destination, but we're pressing on to that which has been written concerning us, not just the Psalms 139, the book written concerning you, but we as a house, as a church. And recognizing the very places of of the difficulty and all of the settings that we've walked through and continue to walk through. Almost on any given Sunday, any given day, there's, there's an adversity, there's a challenge, there's a place to overcome. But what I want you to just begin to uh, hear this morning and allow the Lord to begin to just uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. <clears throat> The prophetic word always gives us sight, because without a vision, the people perish. And I felt as we're moving forward, it is important for us to understand who we are and what our destination is. And it was clearly spoken, affirmed, promise and salvation. Now, when you go into the book of Joshua, what I'm going to be reading is, is that Joshua, because the house of Israel had been in the wilderness for 40 years, <clears throat> and all of the older generation had passed away. So anyone that was over 20 years old had died off. So the Lord had given to Joshua, trained up under Moses, and as well Caleb went along, they then were going to take this journey. It took seven years for them to reach their promised land, which was Canaan. And God orchestrated every city that they were to go to, and they started with Jericho. And God began to give him the the house of Israel give them the ability to overcome their adversaries because God had purposed what he desired to accomplish. Now what I want you to hear, that which was concerning their day, but also concerning our day. 
And this is Joshua 21, and I'm going to read 43, 44, and 45. And the Lord gave to Israel all the land which he had sworn to give their fathers. And they possessed it, and they dwelled in it. The Lord gave them rest round about. Just as he had sworn to their fathers, not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord delivered all of their enemies into their hands. There failed no part of any of good thing or promise which the Lord had promised to the house of Israel, and it all came to pass. The promises, the very things that are spoken concerning us. Because I'm going to go to Joshua 10. If you begin to realize the intervention in the hand of God, and I want you to, we've talked about having uh, greater faith or expanding our dream or expanding our vision, if you will. I want you to go to Joshua 10, if you would, please. Because here you have all the kings of the Amorites, and they gather in Gibeon, all of their armies, against the house of Israel. Surely outnumbered, overwhelmed. But in verse 10, it said God began to bring confusion to them. And they began to flee. Verse 11 says, as they began to flee, God brought hailstones from heaven that killed more of the Amorites than did the swords of Israel. And this is the part that I find very interesting. Oh, yes. Verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to the Lord. Joshua spoke to the Lord on the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the Israelites. And he said in the sight of all Israel, Son, be silent and stand still at Gibeon, and you, moon, in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the nation took vengeance upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Asher? Joshua wanted to complete the work that he was called to do, and in turn he called unto heaven, And God, stop and think about it, stopped, held the sun, held time to accomplish what Joshua had asked him to do. We as a house, where we are, what's transpiring today, what's going to take place in these next seven years? Our promise is the return of Jesus. Our promised land is let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Preparing the way for the Lord's second coming is what our purpose presently is all about. These next seven years, and I love the fact that the Lord brought confirmation with salvation. As a house, our destiny, the things that we're believing for, the very miracles, if it necessary to cause the sun to stand still and cause the moon to stand still so there'd be time. How long have you tarried 
for Ryan? How many years? 20 years. What have we put our hand to? What are the places that we've purposed in our hearts to believe for for this valley? What would you do? What would you do if there was no sunset one day? Would you say that was the hand of God and allow us to accomplish the things that were important to him, but also fulfill every word and every promise that was spoken concerning this house? Because we have our personal words that have been spoken into our lives. But what about this house? Look at the love that's transpired. Look at the commitment. Look at the fulfillment that's taking place in this house as what's taking place even next door. Kevin keeps telling me about the poundage that comes in every week. When we're watching this setting take place as we as a household, as we bring this time, this age, as this return of the Lord comes, when we begin to see next door, every day, every opportunity, every life, in this place that we're now walking into in these next days, what's your expectation? What do you think will transpire in these next seven years? There's a lot before us that God hasn't fulfilled yet. But we're right on the cusp of fulfillment. Watching the very things that God said, destination has not been arrived yet. My son has not returned. But I'm thinking, Val, making these quilts. How many lives have you touched? How many quilts have you made, Val? Hmm? She's lost count. As we move forward in the places that God has given us to be able to make an impact on... I'm sorry? I still have a handful to make. I got Jeanette over here, Jeanette. I got her one. I got her it's leaving a deposit in somebody's life. It's more than a quilt. Come on, it's more than a quilt. That happens to be her gift. But when we begin to see that whole promise that was established according to God for those of Israel, the house of Israel, to then seven years to accomplish what God wanted to do, can you imagine all of the, the detours and the things that transpired and the lives that were touched and the place that they affected if you have the opportunity, if you can go to the bookstore, which you probably won't find, but you can go online, read the book of Jasher. Because the world feared the God of Israel. His name was famous, but it was also awesome. It was fearful. But think about the deposit that Val is making in every person's life. What is God going to use your life for to make an encounter, to bring an encounter to someone's life? even if it's at a deathbed. But it, surely we go back to the bus, Walmart, Kmart. What's before us is a house. You've been so, for, so committed to one another. I'm not just making them for the church people. I have family members that I make them for. I have uh, made my <coughs> nephew Robert a big blanket. He tells me he don't like... Uh, can I see that quilt for a minute? Okay, it's just a quilt to family members. 
And the word and the word is living and alive. In Paul's day, for those that were sick, they would take claws, they would anoint them, send them home with that person, and that person would be healed. Is our day any different? Can you imagine what deposit? Because Christ lives inside of Al. The Word says, wherever you place your feet, if they receive you, bless them. If they don't, then wipe the dust off your feet. Whatever you put your hands to, She'll be blessed. So, so the food bank. So someone through relationship, JC knows, apparently has talked about the food bank, and this gentleman is donating one of his deer to the food bank to feed someone else. Yes. I'm, I'm a happy man that Christmas is coming in nine days. I'm a happy man. I'm Because all my family is going to be together in nine days. So when I began to just ponder more about this setting of destination and the very things that God is doing in our lives, I'm, I'm asking you to, to raise your eyes a little bit. That's why I tried to bring the demonstration. If, if one man can ask God to hold the sun... What would a whole household bring before the Father to accomplish the destination of this house and your life within it? Hermine's going to be going to Jamaica for two weeks. And I prayed that she, being the altar, excuse me, the ark of the presence of Jesus, would bring an encounter for every family member and every relationship that she has during those two weeks in Jamaica. See, we've been launched out, we've been released, and now, and I kept hearing that, seven years. What's life going to be like seven years from now in this house? Every day, the encounter, the opportunity to bring salvation. John the Baptist came to baptize in water, preparing the first coming of Christ. Every day, you and I are preparing for the second coming of Christ to bring those to salvation, one person at a time, one family at a time. Because you carry destination within you. Destination for this house, but also destination for this earth will soon become the kingdom of our Lord and Christ. And so I wanted to encourage you. I'm sorry? And they would not have. Well, I can't say that. We were the invitation that they responded to to bring them eternal life. And so, some think about it. Last week, Ray brings me an apple pie. See, I want you to begin to realize who you are. The deposit that you leave, that's a part of Ray and Peggy that was left in my home. That wasn't just an apple pie. The deposit that Val's making with these cloths, with these tapestries, with these quilts, there's a deposit that's lasting that can in turn bring life and substance of an opportunity for encounters with God. 
And so when we begin to, because I feel it's important, what was taking place at Tabernacles was released long before Christmas, the new year came. Because according to God's calendar, Tabernacles launches the new year. So we're already running into this new year, but I wanted to remind you of the expectation to have your sights set up. Continue to love one another. Continue to take time out for one another. Continue to take time to listen to one another. Continue to be obedient and listening to the Holy Spirit. Because this whole week I've been hearing the very scripture that I asked many of you to put on your mirror. In Ephesians, Father, would you grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation workings of the divine knowledge of Jesus? Would you enlighten the eyes of their heart with understanding that they might know the hope of their calling and what that is in Christ Jesus beyond just yourself but is this house? And in turn, we're being released into such a setting that we are. This young man, Hunter, it's a miracle. They gave him days when they took him to Boston. Ryan, that's a miracle. Salvation. I've heard enough testimonies where he had no desire to hear the story. So what do we carry? We carry destiny not just for ourselves, not just for this house, but for every person is an invitation that you have relationship with or will have an encounter with. Yes? This is a small situation. I just wanted to bring it to you. Yeah. Many, many years ago, Kenny was in the, uh, had to uh, help somebody save a child's life. Somebody left the lawnmower going. The little girl almost got run over. He put his foot in there. He lost a toe, but he managed to save her. And that's way before all his problems uh, came about believing in the man upstairs. So I don't know why, but he doesn't seem to relish the same way as I do. Anyway, he's well loved. Of course, the word talks about saved and unsaved relationship. All you do, Val, is pray. And he is watching your life. He's watching every person that when he passes by, any relationship that he knows that's related to this house and to this family, he's watching. We have family members that are going online in disagreement with the church listening to past words going all the way back to a couple of years ago, 2006, identifying us as a cult. But you know what? Faith comes by what? Hearing. If that unsaved person is listening to the word of God going all the way back to 2006, guess what? You don't know where, you don't know when. But that word is going to become alive. So if that's what it takes, praise the Lord. Destiny, destination, salvation. In these next days, be mindful because hearts are open, but yet there are those that are very devastated because of their experiences of lost a loved one, Something difficult to transpire during this time of the holiday seasons. So I just want you 
to be launched. To be launched. To be empowered. To have sight to be recognizing. Take advantage. When she's talking about, is there room in the end? Is there room for the Holy Spirit to cause you maybe to take a deviation from your list of things that you need to do and maybe help someone? At the grocery store, there's somebody carrying a bag of groceries and maybe go along and help them. These are the very settings that leave an impartation of the deposit of Christ, of who you are, because the kingdom advances through you. Every time someone's healed, the kingdom of God increases, the kingdom of darkness decreases. Every time someone receives deliverance, every time salvation comes, there's the kingdom is added to the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness loses its strength, loses its stronghold. And as John the Baptist, that's what you and I are now doing. We're setting the captives free for when his return comes. It's an engathering of the family. Ephesians 1 speaks about in that which is the gathering of all things in the administration and the closure of this age. Jesus is going to gather all things in Christ, both in heaven and in earth. So what have we established that is His in Hartford Village? Think about it. Is your home established for when He comes, Kyle? He can say, that's mine. Little Mini Mart down here. We're praying for those working for the Mini Mart and the owner. Every time you go in there, you're leaving a deposit. See, that's where we are right now. We, as Joshua, went from city to city. We've been given this city. We've been given access to the lives of those who live here. So in turn, every time we go out, we can begin to be the invitation as it was through John the Baptist. But John talked about one who would not just baptize in water, but baptize in spirit. And so you are spirit-filled, born again, empowered by the Holy Ghost. And the words that you speak leave a deposit and awakens, it quickens the spirit man inside. It knows how to touch the broken place and allow the healer to touch. It begins to address and begin to be mindful and aware of the places of deliverance. And the deliverer can come. There's such excitement in this new year. I don't, I don't know how to express it to you. But there's a launching of this new year that includes, but it requires you. It was the, it was the house of Israel that claimed the promise. It wasn't just Joshua and Caleb, and of course Moses wasn't allowed to walk in. What's the house of Hartford going to receive as her promise? Where it talked about seeing as he is. As you see him leave, you'll see him return. Could it be that this house of Hartford might be granted the fulfillment of that word? And every day, 
the food bank, child care center. We had the Potter's House Child Care Center. They had their Thursday night Christmas pageant. There were probably at least 60 people here, if not more, maybe 70. There was a reverence, because usually people from the outside can come in because it's a church, and there was a reverence and a gratitude in all of the parents. The kids, it was phenomenal. And then, of course, they made cookies and all kinds of stuff. I went to go over there, and I couldn't even go in. I had to stand in the hallway because the place was packed with the parents because they wanted to have fellowship together. And we encouraged them. Gifts, all of that just kind of dissipate. But relationship as parents, spend time together. And they did it. It's a little house of Hartford. This little house, you, you carry destination. You carry destination for every relationship that you come into. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the tenderness of your heart. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the family. Thank you for the exhortation. Thank you for the testimony. Father, let us walk this out. Keep our hearts so knitted together. Keep us so close that all you see is your Son in our midst. There isn't greater, there isn't lesser, there isn't male, there isn't female. That all you see is your Son, Jesus, and say yes. 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 Amen. I just want to say one thing. When this all happened, my family uh, and my, my two sisters, I had a really big hole in my heart because, of course, of my sisters. And it's the holidays, and the words that were spoken were really, just, just really bad. And I just sat there, and I took it. And I just said, you know, God, I know you have a plan. I know you have a purpose. And, you know, they said, we even heard you preach. What are you doing? You know, what are you in? And so the words, though, I'm telling you, it was just like God came in with his grace. And he said, how close are they to my word? They've never been close to my word. And now, and now they're hearing it and they're seeing it. So do not give up. Do not give up on your family. Do not give up on your sisters because he's working a work. Oh, it's so awesome. <laughs> oh, I love you, Jesus. People around here are always talking about keeping your eyes open at this time of year for God encounters, and um, that was a new to me when we first came here. And um, so this year, my eyes are a little more open to um, God encounters, and I just wanted to share a couple with you that has occurred this week. And um, The other day, I went into um, West Lebanon from here, and I went, oh, my goodness, look at all the cars out there. I mean, it was massively packed. I'm like, 
why did I wait this long to go get a little something that I needed at the store, just a regular everyday thing. And I ended up in, in Walmart with everybody else. And it's like, oh, my word, a zoo. And um, so I got into the um, the speedy, the, the self-checkout lane, and um, thank God they, everybody in front of me just had little things. And so it went pretty quickly. But the... Um, Actually, it was a speedy checkout because we had a cashier. And there was a lady that was standing there. She had paid for all her stuff, and she decided to continue to stand there and stand there and stand there. And talking to somebody behind me, and I'm like, oh, could you, like, move it along, lady? <laughs> and um, so then she finally does. She moves along. She tells the lady she's going to go sit near the door and wait for her. And um, the guy in front of me, he was ready. He just speeded right through. And then I had, I was ready. I just speeded right through. And I see that lady sitting at the door. And I just walked by and went out the door. And I'm like, got to go back. <laughs> you know, and you feel like, this is going to really feel dumb, you know. But I went back and I just peeked around the corner and I said to her, Merry Christmas. And she looks up at me like, do I know you? <laughs> no. <laughs> she says, you came back to say Merry Christmas? Yeah. Why? Cause, just because I was sitting here by myself? And Yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> she puts out her arms and gives me a hug. You know, and now I bless her by feeling like a fool and going back. And, you know, it was such a little thing, you know. And I blessed her day. You can you can see I blessed her day, and she blessed my day by reaching out a total stranger. She's giving me a hug, you know. It was it was really quite an, uh, a lovely event. I encourage everybody to reach out. Um, and also another God encounter that I've noticed this week is um, I was actually talking to Jackie um, earlier this week about it about my sister. And um, I don't remember exactly what I was telling her, but my sister's been going through a lot of um, very negative things for massive amounts of years, and she she just keeps them. And and I don't know where the boundaries are to allow her to continue to talk or what's just rehashing or how much. I mean, she spends a lot of time alone, and that's really not good. And you can call her till you know eternity, and and she doesn't answer, answer the phone. And um, I mean, she just really stays alone a lot. And um, so it's really concerns me. But um, so JC and I have been doing um, studying together, and and I started praying a little bit for her according to the study that we've been doing, and. What happens? But my sister calls me. It's like, wow, this is like, okay, God, this is, you know, it's like these people say, Lonnie and Kathy say, you know, to be looking for these God encounters at this time of year, people's hearts are open. And sure enough, these people's hearts are, are open. And, you know, and my sister actually said to me at the end of that conversation, and that was a long conversation, 
And um, she said to me, I love you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I, I kind of felt like it was like, um, you know, there's a lot to be done there, but I felt like that was a breakthrough. So, praise God. Yeah? A couple of days ago, I was in Hannaford, which I go to almost every day, and uh, I had about $15 more in in items that I could have, that I had the money for. I had $20 and I had like $35 worth of items. So I told the girl, let's put this back, let's put this back. And the manager of the store, who I always see all the time, and I, he, he never even looks at me or says hi or anything. I always thought he was kind of a snob. And uh, he saw me putting those items back and he walked over and he put them in my bag and said, look, you're an awesome customer. You're in here almost every day. Merry Christmas. And that you can't, and that just, that was God just reminding me, you can't judge a book by its cover. You know, and amen to that guy. Oh, God is See, what did Brian say? This guy's been watching him. He sees him every day. You're a good customer. Who we carry draws attention. People observe. Often we think we've got a great personality, right? No. It's he who is inside of us that people recognize. Now, Kathy went out and she bought, I don't know, a couple thousand of these cards that just tell about the church services. Take a bunch of these. When you're on the bus and you're at Walmart and the lady that's sitting there on the bench, after she gives you the hug, say, here. This is where we gather every week. This is part of the family. You can put your name on them as well. But I want you to, and I just saw this. You ever watch any of the uh, Christian movies with John the Baptist? People were always watching. There were those that were being baptized. There's always a crowd watching those being baptized. Just imagine yourself walking through the upper valley as John the Baptist, amen, bringing salvation for wherever you go. That it would draw people by the Spirit. They would recognize, be drawn, compelled to talk to you. Father, we thank you. I thank you for the living testimonies. Father, we just extend your hands to Hermine. Father, we send Hermine. I know she wants to go visit, but we send Hermine. Father, advance your kingdom. 
in Jamaica. Advance your kingdom through her means. Every place where she places her foot, every step, everything that she touches, let it be awakened and made alive, Father. We pray for Dudley that you make a way for her citizenship. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Kevin wanted me to remind you that there's no uh, food bank or friends of family this last Sunday. But for people that are in the church, if you need food, you can get food out of the food bank, but it's not going to be open for the public. Yes? So um, Jeanette has a family that's in great need, um, and I have coffee hour, and on the table I'm going to have a basket, and she's going to be... um, There are things that children need, parents need, Um, If you feel led, we would really greatly appreciate it. (coughs) You can put a check. Who should they make the check payable to? To you, Jeanette? 